We have a special guest, actually two, in studio right off the start of the show. Lots of guests coming up, lots of things to talk about. Everybody seems to be running for mayor. Well, by everybody, it looks like so far four, three and a half, three and three quarters. Paul Pilato's in. Tanya Park is in. You heard from both of them on the Craig Needle Show. Stephen Orser has said he is running. I don't know if we have that official yet. Kevin Wilby is running, and Paul Chang has an announcement at 2 o'clock this afternoon. What what could that be? An announcement on May 1st, the first day that you can officially run for mayor in the city of London. So that's something that we'll chat about a little later on on the show. We are going to talk about amplified entertainment. I think only London calls it this. It's music on the patio. And it has become a big story once again, and the City of London has issued a news release. We're going to hear from someone who is unhappy about the new developments. We will hear from Oris Katolik, who's the Chief Municipal Law Enforcement Officer, one of the best titles out there. And we'll also talk about jobs in the City of London. We have all kinds of things on the way, but... First to our two special guests from Tourism London, we have Chris Campbell. Chris, how are things? Great. And Chris has brought along one of his new best friends. And I'll have to tweet a picture of this. We don't call him Oscar, but he has kind of an Oscar look about him. I don't even know if it's a him. Do we call him Juno? Just call it A. Juno, yeah. A. Juno. So so this is not a, an official him. This is just A. Yes. Juno. It's a thing. Yes. I think, okay, because there is what appears to be inside this actual Juno Award that will be given out, remember, middle of March next year. We're looking at March 16th and 17th, but even before that, there's a whole lot leading up to it. And this will be given out, but it's got a little guy inside Crystal and or a little person inside. Little person, yeah. little person yeah. inside. <laughs> and the person is covered by ribbons and is looking out at the rest of us. For anybody who has missed it, this was given to the City of London just yesterday and Chris, maybe fill us in on what this tradition has come to mean. Well, it it started in Hamilton, and they had the host city Juno, and it was kind of a presentation from city to city, and it was in recognition of and you know, the tremendous job that Hamilton did uh, on the uh, on their event, and and, uh, and it's been since then it's been passed on from city to city, from mayor to mayor, and that actually occurs during a uh, commercial break. And so during the commercial break, the Vancouver Awards in 2018, Vancouver's mayor handed this to London's mayor. And it finally made its way uh, to the uh, to our city uh, just yesterday. So very and exciting. It stays here for the duration of this next year? Yep. Until the awards show, at which time uh, London's mayor, whoever that happens to be at the time, will be on the at the awards broadcast handing that to the next mayor. Of the next city. It's kind of, you know, it's a real Juno 365. There's a lot of lead-up events. You said the awards broadcast, that's one event of so many, you know. Like there's Juno Week, which is the 11th to the 17th, but then there's lots of lead-up events that we're working on. And so it's a whole year of programming that we're, that we're working toward. Chris Campbell with us from Tourism London, bringing the host city Juno Award. You can check out my Twitter feed at Stubbs980 in a moment. You can actually get a look at what a Juno looks like now because there have been a few different looks. There have, but the, the, the design that you see, the actual inside was actually designed, and I was trying to, the name's on the inside, Shirley. I don't, have her, I don't want to mess up her last name. You can see right there. 
It is originally designed by Shirley Elford. There you go. So she and she actually handmade uh, thousands of those. Wow. Okay. So when she passed away, what they did was they actually this design on the inside. Yeah, inside is inspired, and that's laser. So that's the most, and it's a, the most current configuration. That's what the Juno Award is. But it has changed over the years, but she literally made thousands of them by hand. Well, it's here. Junos will be coming. Let's talk a little bit, because I don't know if, how behind the scenes we can get on this, but just in what it has taken to land the Juno Awards. If you look at the events that we have hosted in the city of London, on the sports side, from the World Figure mm-hmm. Skating Championships to Memorial Cups to Under-17, hosting Canadian Country Music Week was absolutely massive. Yeah. How long does it take to years. go through the <laughs> oh, Junos? Years. years, and then it's by invitation only. Oh, and, really? You yeah. can't just call and say, no, 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 hey, we'll, no. we'll host the Junos no, for you? No, we, we want to bid even. No, you're, it's by invitation only to bid. So did those other events then cause someone to say, hey, we no. We gotta get London to bid here. Nope. No. <laughs> a bit of a longer story than that. I mean, you know, we uh I had a small contingent, very small contingent. We went to Calgary in twenty sixteen for the Junos. For two reasons. One, we wanted to look at the feasibility of doing a Junos in London. Two, we wanted to make Country Music Week the best ever. And uh that was a great success. We learned a lot from that event. But, you know, I sat in the back of the saddle dome and I remember in the top and I was looking down, I was thinking Budweiser Gardens would fit in the bottom of that. <laughs> and so our prospects at that point in time were bleak, you know, to say the least. Um, all the all the other events, I, I thought, you know, I can kind of visualize, you know, this event would be at Centennial Hall and this event would be, you know, at different music venues. And we had a, a great museum. London would be amazing for art exhibition. And we had the other infrastructure. But the venue, you know, we have a great facility. It's amazing. But it's not an NHL-sized venue. And that's where this thing usually goes. And so we had to develop a business case that would make sense for that. And to get to that point... You know, after Country Music Week, it certainly looked better. I mean, we we had an amazing Country Music Week. They came to town. The people from the Junos and the Caras were in town. And um, everyone had a great time. But still, there were, you know... There was no, there was no invitation to bid or anything like that, and so we wanted to start that conversation, and uh, we, uh, uh, you know, pounded on the doors a bit, and it took me months to get a, a phone call, and I and I knew it was done if I had a phone call, and so. I said, you know, if you've got, you know, this is in January 2017, and I had a 15-minute phone call scheduled, and I said, you know what, How, I'm going to, I'm in Toronto that day anyway, why don't I just, you know, come into the office and meet, and um, that meeting was an hour and a half long, and I was handed the the actual invitation to bid after that meeting, and um, it was a great conversation, obviously, and they, this is, that's the, all the reason to, you know, meet in person and not through email or on the phone, and sometimes you need to be meet face-to-face and make your case. And that may have started the old ball rolling. That was right? the invitation to bid. It was yeah. a, you know, so I was invited to bid. And so then you start assembling your team because it's very – I mean, that took about seven months to put that document together. And so I was kind of the architect. I was the architect of that bid. But within that, I had to work with so many people and cut – you know, the right deals and, 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 and get the right people on board and on side from political to venues, to funding partners, to prospective sponsors, to you name it. Um, there's a lot of people that were involved in that, that and that's just secret recipe. Yeah. This is, yeah. Like you yeah. say, secret recipe. This, no one knows this is going on. This is just bid. There's only been about one or two people that have even seen it 
aside from their board, you know, and, and be, because that was, it was, you know, it's a very proprietary document and sure. And, um, but that was a successful document and it was, uh, you know, supported and, uh, and then we needed some money and, um, and, and so through provincial partners and the city of London and, you know, thank goodness, uh, our city council supported that, uh, unanimously. Um, we wouldn't have, the bottom line is if they didn't, it would have been done. Oh, that would have been for nothing. And they embraced it. So, um, I'm sure a few of them are listening out there. Thank you very much for your support. This event will transform London, and um, and uh, they, they have a big part in that. So we're very appreciative. Chris Campbell with us, Director of Culture and Entertainment Tourism with Tourism London, bringing in the Host City Juno Award. You can now see that on my Twitter feed if you check it out at Stubbs980. If you want to take a look at what a Juno looks like, will be given out next March. But as Chris says, so many other things. Okay, well, let's jump from the preparation mm-hmm. because ultimately – Congratulations. You yeah. were awarded the 2019 Junos to how you see this transforming yeah. London. What's going to happen? Well, I mean, we've got a, a great committee and we are working very hard. It's funny, you know, I was the chair of the Country Music Committee and, and we worked on that. And it's so much. We are so much more involved earlier in the process. We have a great team. They have a great team. And, um, you know, the four pillars really of CARES are, are something that we're trying to embrace within our structure of events. So you look at um, educate, educate, um, develop, celebrate, and honor are their pillars. And, and CARES do that, does that through uh, various programs. And so we're trying to embrace those pillars into the programs and the events that we're working on. We also have those signature events, the CARES events, but then we put our local flavor on it. We're looking at um, areas of a national interest, to this country. And that's what we're, that's to give you a hint of things that we're trying to look towards. We're looking at national interest things that we can do on a local level um, that will reflect that, you know, educate, um, develop, celebrate, and honor in terms of our artists, but also um, uh, that we, we are this we're home for this national event. The largest cultural event in Canada is going to be in London. Uh, so let that sink in. Um, you know, you're going to have more musicians of every genre, of every background from this great country and our city. And it's all about music. And um, and uh, it's just such an incredible opportunity for London uh, to showcase who we are, you know. And that's a big question, you know. You, but you look at from th- things that are happening in London, how we're embracing arts and culture, um, diversity, how we're embracing um you know, our, look at our digital sector booming. There's there's so many ways, there's so many things that tie into music and culture. And um, so there's great opportunities. And so, and there's also been a lot of interest from sponsors and partners and venues and artists and volunteers and you name it. You know, they're coming at us well, from uh, people that want to do nails to people that want to perform on the show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That is tremendous. This is yeah. going to be a week like no week we have ever seen because, as Chris says, it incorporates absolutely everybody. And as we do with every event in this city, London will rock the Junos. London is also going to be rocking this summer on patios. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But, Chris, thank you so much for bringing in the Host City Juno Award. And if you get a chance to hold one of these, make sure that, that you're ready for it because this is not a, a light little individual. You don't stick this on a little mantelpiece 
place somewhere that you put up with two screws and a wall. Uh, this is pretty official, and it's beautiful. So congratulations once again. Can't wait to see how things go, and keep us posted on some of these announcements. Absolutely. Thank you. Chris Campbell from Tourism London. Music on patios? Yeah, you bet. We're going to talk about a release that the City of London has put out. We're actually going to hear from Oris Katolik after 1.30. But first, we want to get the thoughts of someone who wasn't too happy to see that music would be played outdoors on patios. And in fact, she has some ideas about how she wants to pursue this. And some of them involve lawyers. That story's next. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Okay, let's sink our teeth into a little something else. We've waved goodbye to the host, Juno. Man, that thing is beautiful. You can hear this show between 1 and 3, Monday to Friday. Thanks to Andrew Graham for all his work in behind the scenes. Guess what? Noise and sound bylaw has been lifted. It is official. City of London put out a release today. So it is possible for businesses to apply for a temporary sound permit. Now, there was a bylaw introduced in 2017. We can think back. That bylaw is now going to allow for local businesses to apply for a permit that would enable them to have amplified entertainment on patios. And it would allow that to a sound no louder than 70 decibels and no later than midnight. Each approval, based on its own locational attributes, decibel and time regulations will differ in the downtown in comparison to suburban neighborhood pubs. That's what we know from the release. We are going to hear from the City of London just after 1.30. But right now, let's hear from someone who has been very outspoken about this, very concerned about this. Anna Maria Velastro joins us, and she has talked about this in the past. Let's get her thoughts on the latest. Anna Maria, how are you? I'm good, thanks. We are heading into patio season. Today is one of those perfect patio days, and... London's got a lot of great ones. You had concerns last year regarding amplified entertainment on patios, and we've got to check in to see how you're feeling going into another patio season. How are you doing? Well, um, we launched an OMB appeal last summer when the City of London chose to uh, not use the zoning bylaw to regulate amplified noise into neighborhoods. So we filed an OMB appeal, but since we filed it, the OMB was abolished. And um, they're wrapping up the cases um, that are still outstanding, but we felt that the process was being rushed and there's been some changes made to procedures. So we raised thousands of dollars towards our legal fund, and so we decided to uh, drop the OMB case and instead uh, go towards private prosecution. So we don't anticipate all those great patios that you mentioned in your opening shutting down at midnight. So um, the city uh, effectively incorporated a loophole, which does not, uh, uh, you know, where patio owners can uh, evade getting a, a permit. And so what we decided to do was we decided to go um, through private prosecution, which entails uh, gathering evidence of disturbance, going to the justice of the peace, and if this evidence is strong, the courts will lay a charge. So it, it doesn't involve the police. It doesn't involve bylaw enforcement. And more and more people are doing this, and they've been having some success with it.
also, um, in my, uh, you might be aware of this, that it was successfully used in Nashville recently against Soul Shine Pizza Factory, where condo residents um, went to the Justice of the Peace, laid charges, and the courts effectively shut down the rooftop patio. We're talking with London resident Anna Maria Velastro. We're talking about amplified entertainment on patios. Now, Anna Maria, I know you've been asked this question before, but there are going to be people who say, well, if you choose to live downtown, this is just one of those things. It's like a siren. You get sirens. It's like people walking by your door. There's more people downtown. You've heard the argument, and it usually ends with, why not just move somewhere else? What do you say to that? Well, that's just BS. People who live downtown don't have a lower quality, a lower standard of living. That's, ridic- that's just a ridiculous statement. It doesn't matter where you choose to live. If you live next to um, a factory, does that, or how about a landfill? We have people in Byron complaining about the stench of the landfill. Should you be telling them, the city's not telling them just to get up and move? No, it doesn't, that's not the point. No operator or anybody else is allowed to cause harm to another person, not in the regular routine practice of a business or whether you live next door to someone and you'd like to uh, sing to, uh, at the moon uh, from, you know, midnight till, till dawn. No, that's not, that's not how it works. Nobody is allowed or permit it to cause harm to another person, and noise is harmful to your health. Under the Environmental Protection Act, noise is considered a toxic substance, and it is. And more and more residents that live in urban areas are starting to turn their attention to noise as being very disruptive to their well-being, and that's no different in London. And all those people that say you should uh, move, and this is just the way it is in downtown, I know they've never lived in an urban area. We're they talking. Just don't they just don't know what it's like to live in a city. In the city of Toronto, where I lived for a couple, for two decades, it's so much quieter in the city of Toronto than it is in the city of London. And why do you because think that, that is? City, because that city zones. They use the zoning bylaw, and they decide ahead of time where amplified entertainment can take place. They don't allow any live music anywhere um, on patios, anywhere in the city. You can't have amplified music if your patio uh, faces a residential street. Um, it can't go beyond the property line, so basically by definition it has to be ambient music. So they have, they have rules in place so that um, they all, another interesting rule in Toronto is that your patio has to have a chair for every occupant, and that's to ensure that the patio owner doesn't get rid of all the tables and chairs and just turns it into a, an outside dance club. So the fact is is that you can dance. They just want you to dance inside so you don't bother everybody around you. Anna Maria Velastro with us. Anna Maria, what is next for you? Are you? You mentioned gathering evidence. Is that the next phase of what you are doing, or is there another direction? Okay, so the next phase is that uh, we go through this summer, we see how the temporary noise permits work out, and if we find that they're not working out, then what we do is we hire an acoustic engineer who we've already been talking to, 
They come down and they take the measurements, and if the evidence is strong, we'll approach a justice of the peace and we'll lay the charges. Anna Maria, thank you so much for all your time today. Okay, thank you. Anna Maria Velastro. She has major concerns about noise on patios and use words like loopholes, feeling that there will be a way around this. Well, we're going to talk with the man responsible for bylaws in the city of London right after the one thirty news. Orest Katolik will join us for the city's side on this, and then we want to get your thoughts. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980, or phone lines are open, and we'll get to those after we hear from Orest Katolik, 519-643-2222. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980-CFPL. We have a gorgeous day. Patio day. Oh, patio day. Find yourself a patio. Maybe your boss will let you off just a little bit early. On that patio, we now can have applications to have what they call amplified entertainment. I don't know if we can call it music, can we? I guess it could be tap dancing. Really, really loud tap dancing. Amplified entertainment, and it can't go any louder than 70 decibels. And it can't go later than midnight, from what we understand. But there are still people very concerned about this. If you're just joining us, we talked with Anna Maria Velastro before the news. And she says loopholes. She says challenges through the courts. Well, let's make sure we understand what is happening here. So joining us right now is the Chief Municipal Law Enforcement Officer in the City of London, Mr. Orest Katolik. Orest, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Mike? I am eager to see how this is all going to work. So let's talk about what has changed. So what has changed? We had an appeal to our zoning bylaw that prohibited dancing and uh, music on patios. And uh, that appeal has been now officially withdrawn. So the uh, zoning bylaw regulations are no longer in place. So we now turn to our sound and noise bylaw to see how we're going to permit this. Okay, and in doing so, how does that bylaw work for, let's say, patios that would be downtown? So what we did, Mike, uh, in the report is we actually went out to a number of different patios uh, last, uh, last spring uh, with uh, our decibel reader in one hand and uh, amps and speakers in the other. And we set up on various patios and we took noise readings uh, on the patio, in the surrounding uh, neighborhood, uh, on the street with the music off, just so we can get a sense of what ambient sound is like, uh, just everyday sound. We presented this report to council and we presented some options on how we would uh, permit this. And what we focused on is uh, decibel readings of no longer no louder than 70 at the point of reception, so that's not in the middle of the patio, and uh, a time of no longer than uh, midnight. And we also told council that we are going to look at this uh, on an individual basis. It'll be evidence-based, and it'll be largely based on the location of the patio and its surrounding land uses. So, for example, a a patio in suburbia, you know, for a typical uh, neighborhood pub, will definitely be looked at a little bit differently than a patio on Richmond Street. And if we look at the release, the amplified sound can be no louder than 70 decibels, is that right? 
yeah, 70 decibels and uh, midnight. But that's not to say that uh, some pubs in uh, neighborhoods where pubs are surrounded by residential land uses, single-family houses, there's a number of them throughout the city, uh, they might be pulled back to, say, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and the uh, the decibels will be a little bit lower. And how do you make the distinction as to who might have to be pulled back or who can amp it up a little bit? It'll be largely based on the uh, locational characteristics of the patios surrounding land uses. Uh, there's some patios that are elevated, and right behind them you have uh, apartment buildings. So it, it'll all be uh, in terms of a balance. And we'll put conditions on these uh, temporary noise permits, and if, uh, if we can always tweak conditions, we can always go a little bit louder if we go under 70, or if it's if 70 is too loud, we can lower the volume, we can adjust the time. Each application is going to be reviewed uh, on its individual merits. Oris Katolik is with us, Chief Municipal Law Enforcement Officer with the City of London. And just so you get an idea of 70 decibels, because we can say 70 decibels all day, well, what is that? Well... The peak stadium crowd noise is 130 decibels, so this is just a little over half. But if you look at the comparison for something that is 70 decibels, it's a shower running or a dishwasher. It's actually quieter than a vacuum cleaner, quieter than a toilet flushing. So you don't seem to be asking for a whole lot in terms of residents in and around the area. That doesn't sound like that loud a sound. No, we we looked at the ambient sound of Everyday sound, you know, uh, people walking along the sidewalk in the entertainment district, uh, you know, cars, buses, trucks going by, and we, we presented all these to council, and we also studied other municipalities, uh, and we did this together with our music office, who did a large survey of uh, citizens, you know, what kind of entertainment do they wish to have on patios, and we feel that 70 is reasonable, but it's also at the point of reception. So we're not going to be in the middle of a of a bustling patio on a Friday night with music playing, saying, you know, you're you're at 85. We're going to be in a neighborhood where the residents live, and if we get complaints, that's where we're going to be taking the readings from. So it's it's very much, you know, you, you can't complain because you're walking down uh, Richmond Street in front of a, a patio and you might think it's loud. If you're complaining from your home, uh, then we will investigate. All right. Oris Katola, Chief Municipal Law Enforcement Officer. And this is all in effect as of now? Uh, it, it is. We're just talking with our music office to see how we're going to roll this out to uh, uh, the uh, establishments. Uh, we've had many communications with them throughout this process last year. A few of them have actually applied, so their applications have been on hold. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, a summer where we have uh, music on patios, entertainment on patios, uh, in a balanced format. We talked earlier with Anna Maria Velastro, who has made no secret of the fact she's a concerned London resident when it comes to noise bylaws and when it comes to music on patios. One of the things that she said she would do is challenge through the courts. Would you rather she just gave you a call before we go to court challenges and all of this? Well, the the best advice we give to all citizens, if they have complaints, uh, to contact our office through our call center and we investigate every complaint. We have staff working on Friday and Saturday nights till 3 a.m., uh, predominantly dealing with noise complaints uh, citywide. 
So uh, we're, we have w- uh, well good coverage. Uh, we you know we interact with the public uh, on those nights, and uh, I don't see any need that something like this has to go to initially to court. Uh, my preference is always mediation. Well, I love the common sense feel to this because it has a common sense feel to it. Oris, thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Have a great day. And it's Oris Katolik, Chief Municipal Law Enforcement Officer with the City of London. And this does have a common sense feel to it. How do you feel about it? 519-643-2222 if you want to weigh in, because this is now a change that will allow music on patios. Is it right for somebody to say, hey, no music on any patio anywhere? I don't think it's right for someone to say that. But if we can have a common sense approach, whereby if someone says, you know what, Uh, that establishment over there, yeah, they're a lot closer to the emergency vehicle siren. They're a lot closer to the motorbike riding by when it comes to sound than what you guys are talking about with the 70 decibel level, which is like the shower or the dishwasher. And then you investigate. And maybe an establishment has to turn things down just a little bit. And if Oris Katolik is talking about not a decibel reading from right outside the patio, but from where that particular complaint is coming from so that you can enjoy your home, but at the same time, other people can enjoy being on that patio. This has a common sense approach to it. I love it. What do you think? 519-643-2222. You can email mike at 980cfpl.ca or you can tweet me at stubs980. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Beautiful sunny day, great day for a patio. The Ontario Municipal Board appeal of the noise and sound bylaw in London has been lifted. So in London, you can apply for a temporary sound permit. So what does that allow you to do? Well... You can have amplified sound, no louder than 70 decibels, no later than midnight. And each one of those approvals of each one of those applications is going to be looked at. And if there are complaints, well, they'll deal with those. Is this turning London into what we should have been all along? What do you think? 519-643-2222. And maybe this was put best by Al, who emailed the following. London is known as the city where fun died for a reason. I appreciate there is a need for rules and bylaws to govern noise levels, times permitted, etc. And I believe that people have the right to complain if there are others disobeying those rules. However... The guest that we had on earlier this hour has opposed patio music of any kind since day one. That is why people like me who have lived in several urban areas all my life say you do have to move. If you want a quiet suburban setting, there are tons of places for you. Downtown is not it. It should not be made to be it either. We're hosting the Junos, for goodness sake. So that's how Al sees this. And this bylaw is going to allow for amplified Entertainment or the the change in all of this is going to allow for amplified entertainment. 519-643-2222. Do we become what we need to become? Is it fair to say to somebody, you know what, living downtown is is living downtown. They're going to turn up the music a little bit. According to Oris Katolik, though, and this is where I see that common sense approach, if there is a complaint, they'll investigate it. And if from where you live... You have a decibel level in excess of 70 decibels. Well, then there should be changes. 
That seems to be the common sense side of this. 519-643-2222. Marilyn, what do you think? Well, I think midnight is a fair cutoff time, but you know, um, uh, Mike, most people are watching Steve Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon anyway. <laughs> so what are they complaining about? You know, when I was a teenager, um, the police was sent to our place several times because I played my records too loud. And that was in the inner city, my dear. And I bet you turned them down a little bit, right? No. <laughs> Marilyn, I love that rebellious attitude. Well, that's part of who I am, and I'm not going to change at 83. No, and nor should you. But anyways, I think over the weekend, I think it's fair for them to have it extended a little longer. People have got to have some fun and let their hair down. And I know I live in a high-rise, and of course, I'm, I'm used to noise. And I was raised on a noisy uh, city street with buses and trucks and cars going and coming all the time. So I was used to noise, but some of our neighbors weren't. But anyway, that's the way it goes. Marilyn, I don't imagine that you registered to run for mayor today, but you're making pitches that would make me want to vote for you, just in case you are. Oh, gosh, no, at 83. (laughs) You know, you'd have to have... Uh, a degree in municipal laws or something, and I haven't got that. Yeah, but, but you I, have experience in life that all of us hope we get. Well, I hope you do, dear. And um, I like your son's idea of having his room painted green. <laughs> He's had that for a while, so it's uh, yeah, it's time to make some changes. Marilyn, thank you. Thank you, dear. Have Bye-bye. a great day. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. We'll go to Matt. Matt, how do you feel about this? Oh, that's ridiculous. And it's always been ridiculous since they brought in this noise bylaw thing anyway. It's no coincidence that Victoria Park is right next to Richmond Road. And when you're making bylaws, it's also perfectly reasonable to make bylaws that are by postal code. So there's no reason that you can't have a separate bylaw for a residential neighborhood, let's say in Old South or Springbank area, versus downtown where you have Victoria Park and then all of the bars and patios. Can you imagine something like this taking place in Hamilton and Hess Village? Not happening. Exactly. So London's perfectly happy to appease the minority whiners, I'll put it that way, rather than bring in more festivals and events and uh, allow for more fun to happen on Richmond Road when we are a student city where the predominant number of people on Richmond Road spending their money are young people. Well, the good news, Matt, is the the appeal has been lifted, so they can proceed, and we are going to see more amplified entertainment this summer, and we'll see how that goes. And I bet you the complaints are few and far between, to tell you the truth. I'm kind of hoping that they're few and far between, but I'm also kind of hoping that they would just abolish it altogether. Till 12 p.m. when bars are open until 2, that's not going to fly. Matt, thanks for the call. You're welcome. Have a great day. 519 
646-843-2222. Richard, how are things? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? Loving the sunshine. Well, I'm glad the fight is finally over, and I'm glad, right, that this appeal is being dropped. And, you know, even though I'm no fan, right, of Orstrite, and we won't get into that, I have to say he said one thing that was right, Mike. He prefers mediation, right, rather than going through the courts. Well, on that particular point, right, Ors, I do agree with you. Why tie up the courts, right, and drag it out when it's something like this, right, can maybe be settled through uh, mediation? I, the only time, Mike, I believe in going through the courts, and that's if mediation fails and all else fails, right, then obviously, right, that is your last choice. But anyways, now that London, right, is going to be officially known, right, as a fun city, I only have one last request, and I naturally never single out any particular business or building, but I would say to the businesses on Richmond Row, and they know who I'm talking about, and I would say to the businesses in downtown London, they know who I'm talking about, Please clean up your washrooms because they are absolutely disgusting. When I have to leave one business, Mike, to go to another business, right, because they have a cleaner washroom, right, that is absolutely ridiculous. So if you want tourists to come to this city and you want to make downtown vibrant again, you've got to do the basics right. And let's start right by cleaning up the washrooms. But other than that, Mike, I'm glad now that London is finally going to shed its image of being against fun. You have a good afternoon. You have a great afternoon as well. We're not against fun, and I know we're perceived that way sometimes, mostly by by everybody here in London. So, yeah, that does have to change. If you're on hold, please wait on hold just a moment. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more of your thoughts. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980 or iPhone 519-643-2222. This is London Live. My name is Mike Stubbs. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. It isn't exactly how Matt would have envisioned it. He says, hey, bars don't close at midnight, but that's when this bylaw still tones things down. It's an improvement. We've had the OMB, the Ontario Municipal Board, which doesn't really exist that much. I and mean, it's a very confusing thing now. Some things are being heard. Eventually, it's going to be abolished. It'll be, a, it'll be replaced by something, but that's for a later date. But why do we have to change for a few is often the question. Why is it the loudest voices, the squeakiest wheels, who are causing maybe a few thousand people to not enjoy themselves as much? So that's been the question in this from the beginning. Andy has tweeted, this is long overdue. The attitude of not in my backyard that opposes anything that might be fun has to go. Bob, how do you think? Well, just let me start off by saying, uh, you know, Helen could run for mayor because all you need is common sense and experience. She's got a lot of that, right? Marilyn has all of that. Oh, I agree. There you go. But no, yeah, you know, it's good to see that... Uh, City Council here is losing some of its stuffed shirt image that has been plaguing the city forever, taking the fun out of a summer, you know, summer activities. But the other thing, Mike, is like they're going to have to put those PA systems out way over 70. I mean, I'll sit here on my front porch and bang on my acoustic guitar, and I'm over 70 dB. Oh, definitely. Well, 70 is a shower or a dishwasher. I mean, it's not that loud at all. No, it's not. Now, that's from where those people sit in their homes. That's where the 70 has to be. Right. So when they're downtown, 
uh, <clears throat> these establishments with live music on their patios, they're going to be up around 85 on the PA for sure because, geez, you know, the traffic going down the road with the motorbikes and the cars and the buses, it's got to be up around 85 anyways, right? So, uh, But, you know, like you say, it won't, it won't cause a problem because it's just going to be sort of right at the same level as, uh, or maybe just a touch up above the uh, street noise. And those people living, you know, what, a few blocks away aren't going to really be affected by that. It's going to die out to about 70 anyways by the time it sound travels that far, right? That's the hope, and it, it has more of a, a common sense feel in that they'll address each establishment almost individually based on how things go. Bob, thanks so much for the call. Got to go for news. All right. Have a great day. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. We do have news next, and then we'll talk about... The job announcement, which is a good news announcement, bringing jobs to the city, never a bad news announcement. But we want to dig into this a little bit more. Is this maybe a sign of of some more movement toward maybe more jobs? Are we seeing some things on the horizon that, that could finally bring more jobs to London? Maybe the, the word momentum? We'll talk about that. After 2 o'clock, Kapil Lakotia is going to join us, President and CEO of the London Economic Development Corporation. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Here's a question. Once your phone battery starts dying quickly, is there anything you can do to fix that? Because it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My phone battery's at 20%. And I started the day at 100 I know I did. 20%. This is not good. You know what I think has happened? And I don't know if this is actually true. I don't know if this is is why I'm having this issue. But there have been two things that I've done with my phone that if I could take back, I would. And both involve trying to record video outside when it's cold. See, Jim Van Horn and I were in Owen Sound. And I don't even remember when it was. It wasn't in the playoffs. It was just a a day when the London Knights had gone to Owen Sound. We travel around with the London Knights throughout the winter. And we were in Owen Sound. And we'd gone through, I think, a warmish spell in February. But the ice was still everywhere right on the little inlet that leads to Georgian Bay. The rink is located right on the water. It's a beautiful spot. And so we wanted to record a little pre-game video outside and we thought it was fairly warm but it wasn't especially by the water and the wind was whipping and we had my phone on a tripod and I was trying to record and the phone just completely died the battery went from about 60 percent to zero and the phone crashed and when I finally got it working again the battery was not great and then on the weekend my kids were at a track meet at TD Stadium, and my son was running the 200-meter late in the day, and my wife couldn't be there for that particular race, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to use some technology. You know what I'm going to do? I will shoot video that she can watch live. So that's what I did. But it was cold. It was about minus four, it felt, with the wind chill. I think that's what they worked it out to be. And as I was shooting the video, he rounded the corner. He got past the 100-meter mark, and the phone was gone again. And now I sit with a battery that, I don't know, I got up about 5.30 this morning. So what's that? 
That's six and a half hours. Eight and a half hours. I'm at 20%. Can I do anything? Can I talk to the phone? Can I tap it three times? Is there an up, down, up, down, left, right, A, B, A, B, start? Can I do that with the phone somewhere? Please help. If you know, shoot me an email. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. I don't think I'll get any emails because I don't think there's anything I can do other than stick it on a charger somewhere. Anyone have an iPhone charger? Well, the good news is that we don't have to worry about battery life or charging things before you should have to in order to find some very good news in London. We have had job announcement this week. We had Dr. Utker. Now we've had a combination of job announcements. So we want to examine kind of what this means. And to help us do that is a guy whose job it is to determine what this means. The president and CEO of the London Economic Development Corporation. And we're lucky enough to have him walking through the door to join us in studio. Mr. Kapil Lakotia joins us. Kapil, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You can't see this right now, but Kapil has a great big smile on his face. It just got bigger. <laughs> this, and maybe it could grow even bigger than it is. Kapil, what is making you smile today that we've kind of been hinting at? Well, Mike, it's been a great start to the year. We've had a number of uh, positive jobs announcement uh, so far this year. And the reason why I'm smiling and I hope to smile for the rest of the year is uh, because we certainly hope that this uh, trend would continue. Uh, we've had uh, back-to-back jobs announcements uh, just this week alone uh, with uh, Dr. Utker uh, announcing uh, 100 new jobs yesterday as well as uh, close to 700 being announced today. So let's look at these close to 700 today. Where are they coming from? So they represent a wide uh, range of industry sectors in London, which is, again, great for uh, the diversity of our employment uh, mix. Uh, they represent manufacturing companies uh, such as uh, Science Tech, uh, Hanwha, LNC, as well as Lamco, Tool & Dye, as well as food and beverage processing companies, including Dr. Utker and uh, Sikorsky Sausage, as well as uh, technology companies uh, such as uh, Start.ca that are receiving government support uh, as a result of their expansions and uh, job creation activities. So the idea that they would all kind of come together right now, what causes that? Well, you know, uh, none of these things happen uh, in isolation over a short period of time. Many of these uh, expansion projects have been underway for a substantial period of time. Uh, there are many government programs that play a role in helping these companies go over the edge. There are uh, different incentive programs uh, that include hiring incentives. Uh, they, there are support programs for capital expansions, for equipment upgrades, uh, all, all those things. So this is over uh, a course of uh, all over the last year that uh, many of these expansions came together. Kapila Kosher with us, president and CEO of the London Economic Development Corporation, still smiling because we have had big-time job announcements in the city of London. And you look at the sectors that are touched there. You mentioned high-tech. You also mentioned manufacturing. If you were to look at London's strengths right now, do those two head the list or would something else join them? You know, London is fortunate to have a very diverse industry mix. Most of these sectors, whether it's manufacturing, food and beverage, technology, education, finance and insurance, they represent equal sections of the pie for our employment mix, more or less. So it's great to have that diversity. And really, this is the diversity that uh, that's uh, creating uh, momentum in our economy right now. We've seen reports that suggest a strong uh, building uh, construction activity, not just in the residential sector, as it's well known, London is, is uh, experiencing a, a construction boom in 
housing, but also in industrial and commercial sectors as well, where there's a lot of construction activity underway. Uh, the City of London is posting uh, record uh, building permit values at the moment as well over the last couple of years. Uh, that's been a trend. So uh, we're seeing a host of these positive economic indicators, uh, as well as uh, higher GDP rates, uh, uh, strong labor force uh, activity, and so on. All that sounds really good. Now, you mentioned a key word, momentum. How closely do you watch something like momentum? You know, and uh, momentum is a, is an interesting way to describe this because it's not just one or two economic indicators. It's a whole bag of different things we look at. You know, I'll give you another example. Many London companies are now receiving national and international recognition and awards for the work they are doing in London. Uh, that's not something we've had a historical track record with. And these these companies are being noticed, uh, you know, uh, things like HR Downloads are receiving uh, uh, the Workplace Award recently, Diply and uh, Voices.com have been featured on uh, fast-growing technology lists such as the Deloitte uh, Tech Fast 50, which for the first time, a number of uh, uh, companies from London were on this prestigious list. So that's another indicator of how London companies are being recognized on an international platform because of the growth they're experiencing right here at home. When that starts to happen, how widespread can it be for other companies to say, just a minute, there's, there's awards being won here. How much does it put us on the map? Well, it's uh, it's an important part of what we do. That visibility, that uh, recognition for London helps us attract talent to London. It helps us get on the radar for investors. So it helps attract capital here as well. And those are two of the leading uh, uh, reasons why companies can grow. Either they can't attract capital or talent. And as long as we keep the visibility high and help companies attract those two elements, we can ensure growth in uh, the coming years. That's fantastic. Okay, so we had the Dr. Utker announcement. Now we have kind of a multifaceted announcement. Anything that we should keep our eyes open for in the future? Well, I certainly hope my smile keeps getting wider uh, for the rest of the year. And stay tuned. There would be a lot more positive news to celebrate. Kapil, thanks for bringing this news to us today. Enjoy the afternoon. Thanks for having me. Kapil Lakodia, right here in studios. Kapil walks out to, who knows, maybe find more of those announcements. President and CEO of the London Economic Development Corporation. There is something else that is happening. Now, right now, it's causing construction, and that is Dundas Place and the Flex Street. Last week, we were able to speak with a guy who is watching this closely from Hamilton. And that's Jason Thorne, and he is a manager there of improvement and downtown core and and making Hamilton look great. And he says, this is a really great project, and we happen to have somebody else walking the halls right now. We'll see if we can get him to come in, because I just saw Jim Yanchula walk by, and he is the manager of downtown projects. We'll get Jim in here in a second, and we'll talk with him about... The Flex Street, because I want to ask him about something that Jason Thorne pointed out, and that was you will not have a successful Flex Street in a city unless you have someone to program it. And London apparently is going to have that. So hang on. We'll talk Flex Street in just a moment, I think. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live, and you're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Gorgeous day. First of many, right? John Wilson does say be ready for... You know, the odd roller coaster up, down. Not going to be like this for the entire month of May, but this is a good start. Very good start. 
We have all kinds of things happening over the next 40 minutes, but we have been able to track down a very busy man because he is the manager of Downtown Projects. And if you've been around downtown London, you know there's a few projects going on. Last week, Jason Thorne from the city of Hamilton actually tweeted how excited he was to see how Dundas Place, the Flex Street on Dundas here in London, was going to turn out. And... The man who is heading up that project is the guy we were just talking about, Jim Yanchula. And yes, he's been nice enough to join us in studio. Jim, great to have you here in studio. Well, thanks for having us. Let's look at uh, at construction because we all know that at the end of construction, we can look back over any number of things. You put up with what's happening. There is always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. How excited are you for this particular pot of gold? I'm really excited for Dundas Place because it will transform what people are used to on that segment of Dundas between Wellington and the river. Uh, there is a difference between a street and a place and everywhere else in London is a street. When you want to take a street and make it more than a street, make it a destination, that's when it becomes a place. Jim, last week we had a chance to talk with Jason Thorne from the city of Hamilton and he had tweeted that he was really excited about this project. And so he outlined the things that he liked about it, a lot of what you've talked about and what we've heard about here in London. But he made a specific point saying this Flex Street in London is going to have, I think he called it a programmer, and that's going to make a big difference. Can you outline what that means? So this is one of the essential pieces to make Dundas Place a place. It needs a place manager. And there actually is a thing called a place manager. Uh, I, I know it might seem foreign to many ears, uh, but place management has been going on for a long time. And we're going to have a Dundas Place Manager. Council has authorized an 18-month trial run to have somebody who coordinates not just the programming of things that will happen on the street to make sure that there's a range of activities to suit a range of tastes uh, along Dundas, but also to encourage the surprising or the um, kinds of things that are spontaneous to be a good spontaneous experience on Dundas Place, coupled with managing a sense of security and cleanliness. Jim Yanchula in studio with us, stopping by manager of downtown projects and business relations. With the, I guess, the flexibility of Dundas, we hear it called a flex street. We may not appreciate truly how flexible it actually is. There are things that would seem very permanent. They are concrete. They might have plants or trees in them. And those aren't necessarily as permanent as they might look. Can you give us some ideas of some of the the little additions that we might not even realize that are in the planning? So for sure. When you go to a street and you see uh, benches and you see trees and you see planters and they look substantial, they look heavy, how could you ever move them? They're there forever. Not in the Flex Case Street. Uh, the, the, the Flex Street will have them be able to be moved, reconfigured, taken away if necessary to suit the size of the crowd that might be on Dundas at that time. Also, uh, sometimes you'll look and you'll see those little posts called bollards that guide where parking can be. Sometimes they'll be there and sometimes they'll be uh, clipped out to not be there to widen the sidewalk. So that's flexible. The third big flexible thing is that it's all one level. It's like the floor in your house. There is no more sidewalk, drop a curb and then go on to the road. You'll be able to travel seamlessly from one side of the street to the other with no grade change, which is really accessible. And that's flexible too, making sure that all abilities can be using it. 
the aim for a grand opening? What would it be? Uh, lots of people uh, coming out to check London's uh, new, new um, Flex Street. I think it will be something that people will find that they're surprised, but we haven't um, put together our grand opening celebration yet because this is a two-year project. So we have a half a grand opening, if you will, that'll have the street all ready for the Junos, and then the full street will be ready in 2019. Okay. And if somebody's looking to picture it, there are flex streets that we can kind of look to right now. What cities are they in? So if you've been to Calgary and walked the Stephen Avenue Mall um, in the daytime, it's open to pedestrians. In the after hours, it's open to vehicles. Sometimes we'll be even more flexible than that and allow them to coexist in London. Uh, if you've been to Halifax, you might have seen Argyle Street. There's also an Argyle Street, same name, in Chicago. Uh, if you've been to London, England, been on Exhibition Row, you'd see it there. So we've taken what we feel are the most important elements and made them London specific. You know what? That's how they built Budweiser Gardens and look at the success it's had. Can't wait to see this. Half a grand opening is now less than a year away. Jim, enjoy what comes next. Thank you very much. Here in studio, manager of downtown projects and some talk about the Flex Street on Dundas, which will have all kinds of applications. Now, the buses are going to stay on King and Queen, and that's not going to change, but I think we've got to give this a chance, and I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised, because when you put somebody in charge of bringing entertainment, this is what we started off talking about with regard to the Junos coming to town, with regard to at least some changes to the bylaw allowing for some amplified entertainment on patios. So it's leading us toward a brighter future. There are some people who plan to try to lead us toward a brighter future. They're all registering now, and it doesn't just have to be today, but registration opened for municipal candidates and certainly for mayoral candidates. The question becomes... Is this too long a period? Is it too short a period? If you think back, we've had this happen in January in the past for essentially an election that comes toward the end of October. So that's an awful long time. You know, Think back to the Stephen Harper, Justin Trudeau federal election campaign. Look at how long that went on. That was way too long. I bet you if former Prime Minister Harper had it to do again, he would have changed the amount of time because there were certain remember, – remember how it went? There were certain little peaks and valleys for both of them. And if you could hit on an upswing, that election could have been a whole lot different. But it just went on and on and on. And eventually it, it became more about let's just get a change. Let's just make this different somehow. So this one is starting. It is going to go on for a while. But we do have some definite mayoral candidates. Paul Palato made it official. And he did so on the Craig Needle show. Tanya Park made it official. We have seen the official word from Paul Chang. He's tweeted out a couple of things today. We also believe that Stephen Orser is in the running, and there are a couple of other candidates. So as we look toward at least the mayoral part of this, now that we have those candidates, after the news, let's take a second just to see who's impressing you, even right out of the gate. And we'll see how this changes, because you think back to Trudeau and Harper, there were different impressions that they gave throughout that campaign, and eventually... It was Trudeau that ended up winning, and now he is the Prime Minister of Canada. But 
through a long campaign, there are those peaks and it's like a sports season. So many different things can happen. So right now, anybody impressing you off the bat? We'll ask that question just after news. And we'll also hear from a candidate who is trying to get back in after being defeated going back to 2015. Now, looking to get back into things in Ward 1. We'll hear from him before we close out the show. And we will also have, for anyone who wants it, and this again might lend itself to a little bit of unfun. Five things you should do to live a long life. We'll have those as well. News is on the way in just a moment. You'll find out about people registering. You will find out about some of the changes to the noise bylaw that will allow for amplified entertainment. If you're just joining us, we'll have details on that. And it has a common sense element to it that I really like. And that means they're going to take each individual setting, each individual patio, and kind of treat it that way. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Gorgeous Tuesday afternoon. We'll hear from a municipal candidate looking to get back in. Someone who has served this city for many, many years. But registrations are open. And so far, we have... Do we still say a half? I mean, Stephen Orser has said that he is running for mayor. We haven't heard... A for sure on that, right? No, I haven't heard a for sure on that. Paul Chang has announced a couple of times on Twitter so far today. He's in. Paul Pilato, Tanya Park, Sean O'Connell, who is a guy who ran in Ward 14 last year. So, or last time around, not last year, last time around. And we have had uh, Kevin Wilby say that he's running for counselor in Ward 13. But so far, it looks like the four and a half for mayor. Chang Palato, Park, O'Connell, and the half would be Orser until we see the, the big thumbs up from him. But he said he was going to, but we want to make things official. Of those, anybody instilling any confidence in you right now? Anybody that you would point to so far? And the other thing I want to get into is, is the campaign way too long? Because it probably is. You know, you have to have your registration, and you can understand it from a candidate standpoint because they have to get all of their team together. They have to get signage together, you know. But for the rest of us, this is kind of that little blip, and then, hey, it's summer. And then in the fall, sometime people will really start paying attention to what happens because we're not going to see signage right away. Is anybody jumping out at you? We're going to have a complete change at the top of city council. London Mayor Matt Brown is not running. Paul Chang, Paul Pilato, Tanya Park, Sean O'Connell, and we think Stephen Orser. Would any one of those have your vote right off the bat? This is the person that I would like to see lead London. We'll open the phones. 519-643-2222. Out of town, 1-866-354-8255. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can also tweet at Stubbs980. Would any of those instill confidence in you? Is there somebody that you're thinking, yes, this this is my girl, this is my guy, this is this is who is going to get it done? 
519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca or you can tweet me at Stubbs980. We'll do a little running poll throughout the rest of the show as we discuss a few other things. That's coming next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Before 3 o'clock, we'll still talk with somebody looking to get back into municipal politics. Once you get out, aren't you free? Not always. Sometimes you miss things, right? Best line in the world. How can I miss you if you won't go away? Well, we'll talk with someone who doesn't want it to go away, who's looking to get back in. Okay, so far on email, we asked the question, is there anybody that is instilling confidence in you right off the bat? We have running for mayor in London, Paul Chang, Paul Pilato, Tanya Park, for sure, Sean O'Connell, for sure. He ran in Ward 14 last time around, and Stephen Orser has said that he is going to run for mayor, but I don't think we've seen anything concrete on that, and he has not returned any of the calls that uh, we have put out to him. So we'll wait on him. We'll call it four and a half. Is anybody instilling confidence? Uh, so far, we have one, two, three, four emails that have come in. Uh, Pilato, uh, I'm just reading through these very quickly. Pilato, Park, Chang. So yeah, there's a mix right away. Let's go to the phone, 643-2222. Rick. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm just seeing your guy answer the phone there. I got a question here for Paul Plot. I tried to get a little early. I should have caught him when he was on with needles here. But anyway, uh, I would question him on his loyalty. I mean, he had his, his past there when he was at the London Police Board. And I got a funny feeling the boys down there, the LPA, London Police Association, are going to say, hey, this is nice. We got a guy in here that could be really good for us come the next next election there. And come our contract talks, it's going to go really smoothly for us. You know, we might maybe be able to push some stuff through. And I want to know if he's going to be very responsible to the taxpayers of the city of London to hold the line on police spending. I mean, that's going to be a big one. Everyone's talking about BTR, but, I mean, this police spending, it's out of hand, too. I don't care what anyone says. So, I mean, you have to ask him that one, too. That, uh, like, how is he going to, is he, not going to say any favoritism on it, but, you know, it would kind of smell that way to me. Okay. Well, hey, it's a fair point. Rick, thanks so much for the call. Thanks. 519-643-2222. So, in a case like that, well, I mean, everybody's going to have their connections in the past. Paul Pilato is very serious about this. That much I can tell you. Uh, Tanya Park, very serious about this, and she's made that very clear. Paul Cheng has kind of laid in wait, but a lot of this stuff, and maybe this is something that needs to have to change, a lot of the stuff that goes on up until now, we talked about how long this period is that that the campaigning goes for, essentially, once you register. But there maybe need to be changes in this because everybody's had to be very, very careful in saying, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this, sure, and you want to kind of gauge support and you want to see how things look and how people are responding to your ideas, but you can't say, yes, I am definitely doing this before May 1st in this case. So that needs to change because you have people who kind of stand back and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm not, not totally ready to commit because you can't commit. And if you do, well, you can get kind of a slap on the wrist for it. So that's one thing that needs to be examined. The length of this entire period needs to be examined. They've shortened it a bit. It used to be January, but they have shortened it a bit. So exactly how does this need to go? 
Well, that's something that does need to be talked about because you have all of these these inklings. Yeah, sure, maybe. Uh, but you can't say for sure until today. So that becomes a part of it, too. Take another quick break. Up next, we will speak with Bud Polhill, who was a Ward 1 counselor for multiple terms and did not get voted in in 2015. Well, guess what? Bud is running again. We'll get his thoughts on why it is that he wants to get back into this. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We're looking very early at the mayoral race. I mean, very early, like hours after people have registered. And we just got a call, and it was a suggestion Maybe we need another poll in the race, it sounds like. You know how you can have candidates and then you can have write-in votes? Or I guess you can if you're, if you're voting on something, you always have a write-in vote. What do you like better, chocolate, strawberry, or vanilla? Wait a minute. Where's blueberry swirl? Where's moose tracks? I'm going to write in and vote for moose tracks. That happens when you're naming teams sometimes. And there have been teams that have been named based on a write-in vote. We thought of these 27 possibilities. Oh, but we didn't think of that one. That one's way better. So we got a call asking for another Paul to join the race. A man who was a veteran on London City Council for a long time. Paul Van Meerbergen. We should find out what Paul Van Meerbergen is up to these days. He was always a great guy to talk to on council. So it stays at two Pauls so far, if you're counting. Paul Chang, Paul Pilato got another note of support for Paul Pilato. Uh, seems to want to actually listen to Londoners was the note attached to that. Tanya Park, Sean O'Connell, who would be a rookie, and Stephen Orser, who is a veteran of past councils, and we're still waiting to hear officially if Stephen Orser is running. We haven't seen that official word just yet. Another person who was involved in municipal politics and then was not voted in in 2015 but is looking to get back in now is Bud Polhill. And as he registered this morning, it has become clear he is running again in Ward 1 and joins us on the phone. Bud, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. What did registering feel like today? Oh, I've done it a number of times before. Any different this time? Different pen? Anything like that? No, just a little different because I was, because I was, I'm on the outside looking in. How? And I just want to get on the inside again. How long did it take you to make this decision? When would it have come in the last few years? Oh, about a year after the election happened, and I, I started watching what was happening and how it was happening and how it wasn't happening sometimes. And that's when I kind of I kind of felt like I should do this again. So you want to get back, like you say, on the inside yeah. in order to alter what you see happening at City Hall? Are, are you seeing or, or, positives? Yeah. Well, what I see, uh, sometimes what you don't see. I mean, there's things, I, I look, every time I, I read the newspaper, something's got referred back or we've hired a consultant or, you know, like make some decisions, get things done. And what does it take to sometimes get that done? Because you have the experience, and, and sometimes things do get referred. Sometimes things do go back to committees. What does it take to get something and, you know, and I, push I, it forward? I, I, you got You don't have yet. Have be not afraid to make a decision, and that's that's what happens sometimes. Uh, people are concerned. I, do, I don't want to make a decision, or if I hire a consultant, then if it screws up, I can blame somebody. You know, like make a decision, get things done. You're going to make mistakes. There's no question about it. 
But, you know, you've got to make those decisions and you have to live with them. It would be easy to say that you have done your time, you have performed your civic mm-hmm. duty. What is it that, that takes you back into this? Because you take some punishment sometimes doing it. Oh, and there's no question about that. But you have to live with that. I mean, you have to live with what you decide. And, and you know, you're going you're gonna to get beat up. I, I know that. It's gonna, I, and I, I know it's going to happen. And, but I'm, I'm prepared for that. I'm a big boy. I can, I can, I can defend myself. And if if somebody wants to take a shot at me, then I can take a shot back, or I can I can explain why I did what I did. But what do you see as being keys in this year's election campaign that will stretch a long time? Well, the, the thing is that one of the biggest issues that we have in the area that I'm, I'm running in is, is this bus rapid transit. It doesn't rep, it doesn't represent that community very well. Uh, you know, I keep hearing this. Oh, yeah, but it's going to be better for the people from in, coming there to the to the connection to the bus rapid transit and all stuff. But the people in that area don't look at it that way. They don't see them getting a whole lot of benefit from it. Plus, the fact that I I really have an issue with the fact that it doesn't serve any of the industrial areas south of the 401. So all those people there who have jobs there, they have to have a car. They can't they can't get to work if they don't. There's nothing in this plan that shows them putting a service out to that, that area. And is that something you would push for? I think we should push it, push to, to or, or we should either push to do it, or we should talk to the people in the area, all the businesses in the area, and 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 do some information uh, gathering and see how much need there is. Because I, I drive out there quite often, dropping people off at work, and and I see signs on the front lawn that says uh, uh, employees uh, wanted or help wanted, and it says uh, on their application when they file it says. Uh, must have transportation because there isn't any out here. Dr. Oetker and the, and the Cakery and uh, uh, Broza and all those places out there, they don't have transportation to them, and there's no shuttle or there's nothing. So they have, a, they have a hard time getting to work if they don't have a car. We're talking with Bud Paul Hill, who has registered to run in Ward 1. Bud, you have been a successful candidate in Ward 1 before. What are people saying to you as you talk to them about doing this again? Uh, they're, they're, I was, I talked to a bunch of people already today and they said, congratulations, we're, we're glad you're, you're stepping back into this. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to the, the current counselor, uh, after he got elected the last, uh, election and he said uh, that we have to figure out a way to generate more dollars. And I, I said, looked at him and I said, you know, wouldn't it be easier to figure out a way to spend less dollars? It'd be a lot easier to do that. Well, Bud, we look forward to what will be definitely a long campaign. Thanks so much for the time today. Not as long as the other ones. They they started in January before. That gives a distinct advantage to to incumbents over newcomers. I, I mean, people know who I am, but a lot of newcomers don't have that advantage because they can't put a sign out until until uh, June. I don't. I don't really think it's fair. I think it should be. It should be a longer campaign for people, especially for newcomers who want to get into the into the politics. One of the things to raise as we go along. Bud, yep. have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bud Paul Hill, running in Ward 1 and looking to get back onto council after years of civic duty. But as he says, he sees things. He wants to be a part of making the changes that need to be made. We'll see what happens. So today is that big day when everybody can sit down and decide, yep, I'm in. Got a couple of ideas on 
charging a phone whose battery is now at 11%, went from 100 to 11. It's been about 10 hours now. This this is not good, is it? This is not good. Uh, Eric says, have you tried yelling at it? I haven't. I haven't tried that. Uh, Kent says, have you tried hooking it directly to your car battery? No, I I have not. And uh, do I charge it with a genuine brand charger or aftermarket? The aftermarket can hurt your battery and doesn't fully charge it. I hadn't even thought of that. And another one from Lisa says, uh, mine did that. And I took it to the Apple store. Battery was swollen and it, it was too dangerous to take it out. So I got a brand new phone. Wait, a swollen battery? All right. I don't know. The phone doesn't seem to be swollen. It's not hot. Wouldn't that be a sign? I'm holding the phone to my face. It's not hot. I don't know. 519-643-2222. I think I'll just need to charge it three, four, five times a day. Gwyneth, great to hear from you. Hi. Yeah, I, I thank your uh, producer there for giving the name of uh, Paul Van Meerberg. And, and I wish he would. I, I called him, I think, every every uh, municipal election because he's, you know, to try and get him to different things. He's so good. He keeps his, his costs down. He's the lowest, and the person that replaced him in his riding had the highest, Virginia Ridley. Okay, yeah. I hope people remember. She's her 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 um, uh, expense account is is way up there. He was the lowest, and I wasn't in his riding, uh, but I had a garden out in Reservoir Park, and I had problems. This is when they had two counselors, or whatever they called them then, and I had Susan Eagle and and Paul, and he Susan didn't even bother answering my problem I had, and I had a problem out there. He came. He came. He's very, very good. So you would, a write-in candidate, you would like to see Paul Van Meerbergen run? Oh, definitely. I'd, I'd love to see him as mayor. Because he's been around politics, and he's smart. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've, this is the worst council we've had. Mike, I don't care what anyone thinks. They're just terrible. I've seen them all for years. So what, what do you think makes them that way? If you feel that strongly about it, what haven't they they're, done they're to impress lefties. you? They're all lefties. They're all out of touch. They, they want to spend money. Like look, look at the look at the time they wasted on this this what do you want to call it this fiasco that they're the uh, you know rapid the, transit yes they've wasted all kinds of money on it have you ever been to uh, any of their meetings well I've seen some of them I don't you attend see them personally posters, all those glossy pictures that they're showing those all cost money I mean they've wasted all kinds of money in this you know preparing for it I, and 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 then of course with the well, I'm glad that the <clears throat> that uh, the mayor isn't running, but he should have stepped down much sooner. But it's uh, it's been a, a, a terrible, uh, a really bad council. It really is. But I'd like to. I re- I, I really would like to see Paul in some capacity. I hope he, I hope he hears this. Well, we'll try and track him down just to see what he is doing these days. Yeah, you know, he'd be good. He, as I say, he would. He, they, they, they really. London could could do with with uh, uh, with, with with someone like that. You know, there's another one, but he's. He he would never consider it, but, but uh, he was a really colorful aunt. But he was good, just like he answered calls. Was uh, another Paul Paul York when okay. he was on? All right, well, Gwyneth, you, but he he won't. If you, know, you just, think of any other Pauls, make sure you let us know because we, we'll have a whole ballot full of them by the end of this. You have a great day. Okay, bye. <laughs> Take care. So Paul Van Meerbergen. 
Paul York, we will track down Paul Van Meerberg. I don't know if he'll come on the show, but we at least can catch up and see what he is doing these days. We're going to leave you with five things you can do to apparently stretch your life. Uh, don't smoke. Body mass index between 18 and a half and 25. 30 minutes of moderate exercise a day. No more than one glass of wine a day. And eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. That's it. That's it? That's, we knew that before. That's all? Come on. I want to hear cheese puffs. We'll put that away somewhere. Thanks to Andrew Graham for his help on the show. Thanks to Devin Peacock. News is coming up next with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matt Trevithick. My name is Mike Stubbs. This has been London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL.